sure if you know who I am, but I'm about to rule the world. Wow, uh, <laughs> yay. But there's one problem. There's a human, has a mustache, just like you. <laughs> you think I know every human being with a mustache wearing an identical outfit with a hat with the letter of his first name on it? <laughs> because I don't. <laughs> Bowser is coming. Together, we are going to stop that monster. How? Look at us. We're adorable. Oh, I got this. No problem. Yes! Come on, Mario! Our big adventure begins now! Ah, get it off, get it off, get it off! That last Mario movie from the early 90s didn't really go all that well, but I actually had a bit, a, a monochromatic ounce of hope that an animated Super Mario Brothers movie could actually work, especially when it was announced that Nintendo was more or less going to commission Illumination from Universal to handle the movie. And I thought to myself, yeah, it's got to be either Illumination or Pixar, because as far as delivering quality animation, I really cannot scoff at what Illumination has done so far. Yes, I can feel... A very negative uh, kind of approach when it comes to those Minion movies. You know, the first... I actually like the first Despicable Me movie, but I personally feel like from that point forward, they just kind of cater to the lowest common denominator as far as kids' movies. They really are just kids' movies. They're not really family films. If you're looking for something that can actually tackle all audiences, you have to look towards either DreamWorks, Pixar, or the ever-so-often gemstone that kind of seeps in between and to me I, I really can't think of anything else beyond Spider-Verse <laughs> and that's why I'm definitely looking forward to Across the Spider-Verse but in the meantime we do have the Super Mario Brothers movie which is finally upon us from Illumination and Nintendo in an effort to bring this property that is famous across the world to mass audiences in a way that doesn't necessarily need that of a controller to pick up and so this movie having a turn in this medium that isn't game games is actually striking at a perfect moment and it's funny because we're on the opposite side of the spectrum dealing with a much more mature subject material you have the last of us breaking ground as far as a video game adaption that actually works of course not necessarily on the big screen but technically on the smaller one through the hbo series that just wrapped up its first season so everyone's thinking to themselves like is this kind of paving the way for a renaissance of great video game adaptions well those initial review scores didn't look like they were very prospering it was it, it was really strange that it was boiling down to the critics versus the fans in the ultimate battle of who liked the movie better and who we should listen to if you haven't seen the film and if you haven't really played the games and you're not familiar with the source material. Because that Rotten Tomato scores, when it broke out leading up to the release of the movie, like a lot of people were just very scared that a Mario Brothers movie was not 
actually sufficing people, especially with some of the trailers actually delivering a, a great amount of promise. It really looked like the animation was on par. Some of the voice uh, voices were working. Everybody was unanimously really enjoying what Jack Black was delivering in those trailers. Everybody was happy with Jolly Day. But of course, everyone naturally had reservations about Chris Pratt, especially because not only did that first trailer sound like it was just Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt as Mario, but also some other trailers just didn't feature him all that much you know you had almost everybody else talk but he barely talked in his own trailers for his own movie so it really boiled down to one general consensus as the movie finally rolled out into theaters and me and the girlfriend finally caught wind of what it was and finally having seen the movie here's where it boiled down to the overall consensus why i personally believe is makes me a perfect candidate. I'm about to gloat a little bit. I believe that I am a somewhat really suitable candidate to justifyingly review the Super Mario Brothers movie. Here's why. Because I am actually very well versed on the subject material because I did in fact grow uh, grew up playing and loving Nintendo games and Super Mario games. My parents handed us down the NES from the 80s. So in the early 90s, right when I was born in 91, going into my early years, as far as I can remember, my earliest memory, I really did play as Luigi. I really was second player to my older brother. He would handle Super Mario, and he would be playing as Mario, and I would have to just wait for my turn. But I do have those memories of holding that brick controller in my hand of the NES, and then as the years went on, they announced this... This device called the Nintendo 64. Yeah, for some reason, we skipped the Super Nintendo. I don't know why, but my parents held the Nintendo NES because they bought it for themselves when they were a barely a married couple and then passed it off to me and my brother. And somewhere in the mix, we just never picked up the Super Nintendo system. I think it was maybe because of money. Uh, around that time, they were trying to pay for me and my brother to go to school. And so some of the things definitely took priority and now looking back, it kind of made sense. It wasn't until '96 where there was some wiggle room to jump into the Super Nintendo, into the Nintendo 64 bandwagon. And seeing as we were jumping into the 3D, I think my parents actually looked at that as a very good incentive to be like, you know what, this actually looks like a cool system because we're not just doing 2D, we're not just side scrolling, we're actually jumping into a third dimensional leap in gaming. And so they, th I think they thought of, thought of it as a worthwhile investment, not only for me and my uh, older brother, but also a younger brother was on the way in '95. He was like one or two years old. They probably thought of it uh, as a long term investment to be. Like, well, this is something that can hold them over for a long period of time. Maybe we could play it from time to time, considering that, like I said, it was going to have a three-dimensional leap in gaming, and the technology was advancing. So we jumped on the Nintendo 64. I played Super Mario 64. This then led to the early 2000s, where we got the GameCube. I fell in love with Nintendo. Got the GameCube. Played Smash Bros. Melee. Didn't really play Sunshine, but I did play a handful of other different Nintendo games. The reason why I consider myself to be a good candidate is because even though I grew up loving Nintendo, I then built an objective uh, opposition, rebellion, so to speak, towards Nintendo as I wised up and started to notice the change in leadership, the change in the corporate aspect of Nintendo, and why it is that now I'm kind of judge Nintendo fairly 
from an objective standpoint because there's things that are awesome that they deliver as far as quality products and quality games and things from those famous IPs like Zelda and Mario. But for every time that they do that, they also do something that is rather anti-consumer. And I'm going to call out on that bullshit. I'm going to call out on those anti-consumer practices. So I'm fair. I am completely... Uh, objective in what needs to be called out for better or for worse. So going into the Super Mario Brothers movie, I'm not going to have this like allegiance towards Nintendo, frankly, like some other YouTubers will. I mean, there's some YouTubers that you know for a fact they are riding on that. Uh, well, I don't want to get too explicit and, and visual, but they are riding on Nintendo. No matter how many times Nintendo will do something anti-consumer, they'll find a way to defend it. All right, and to me, the most recent example of that is them upticking the price on Tears of the Kingdom, even though they're still delivering it on the standard Nintendo hardware, not the Nintendo Pro, a uh, Switch Pro or Switch Two or whatever they want to call it. That to me is BS. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. All right, Tears of the Kingdom. I I think. $70, it should be just the standard 60 alright, even if it's still the quality game that people perceive it to be like Breath of the Wild, which again, I liked a lot, but I didn't love it uh, but you have some people who will defend Nintendo to the ends of the earth and I grew out of that, I grew up loving Nintendo for those quality games that really resonated with me as a child and most of those are in fact Super Mario games. Super Mario Brothers 1. Didn't play 2, but I did play 3. Even though I didn't own an any a Super Nintendo system, my cousins did. And I did play a good amount of hours whenever I visited my cousins here locally in Southern California or over in Mexico when we would take our vacation trips in Mexico during the holidays. And I would play their Super Nintendo system and play Super Mario Brothers 3, go through the different worlds, uh, you know, try to use the Tanuki suit as best as possible, and then eventually got myself the N64, played Super Mario 64, beat that game, uh, eventually, the, I did play Sunshine most recently through that 3D, um, 3D All-Stars collection, whatever they called it, that they ported over to the Switch. So, I am experienced, but I also, again, got smart and rather cynical and objectively looked at Nintendo as a company. And that's what I need, that kind of guard I had to keep up when going into the Super Mario Brothers movie. And so, with that guard, I can at least deliver this first objective take, which is that some of this movie does in fact feel a little corporately produced. Now, that's not to say that not every single movie is not cor corporately produced, because it is. Hell, as much as a Marvel bitch as I was for the longest time, especially leading up to Endgame, I, one of the first things that I said when I walked out of Ant-Man and, and the Wasp Quantumania was that that was the first movie. You know, I started to feel the symptoms, but that was finally the first movie that I walked out and went, yeah, that felt like it was machine produced. You know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't feel like there was a director and there was a writer and there was a producer. No, it felt like a company just made a movie and just kind of put it out. And there's little moments here and there with the Super Mario Brothers movie, whether it be with the marketing or the actual presentation of the movie as I'm sitting there in the theater, that it did feel like it was Nintendo saying, do this, do that, do this, do that, instead of an actual writer and director putting their vision forward to create a movie that pays homage to Super Mario, uh, to the Super Mario Brothers lineage and to Nintendo as a property. 
Uh, case in point, most often than not, I don't know if there was like a, a director. Like a lot of the marketing doesn't ever highlight a director. I don't think I've ever seen any interviews for the directors, the writers. Yeah, I've seen uh, you know Shigeru Miyamoto do a, a, an interview, and then of course the all-star cast. But I never really have seen the directors talk. And if I have, it's usually like in a blog post where they take some quotes and write it down through an article on IGN or Kotaku or whatever the hell. And it just always feels like they're kind of in the background. It's most often Nintendo saying, yes, this is our movie. And if nothing else, the ending of the the movie, you know, no spoilers. No spoilers here. In fact, I'm probably hardly ever going to go into spoilers for this. But there's an end credit sequence that felt like I was watching an end credit sequence for a game than it was for a movie. And if if I had just beat a game, witnessing this end credit scene and seeing the the things that they're highlighting as far as like names, I I would be like, yeah, you know, this makes sense to see this when I beat a game, especially when you take notice of how many like investors put forward the money to make this thing happen. But especially with a game, because you have to like outsource so many different teams, modelers, artists, you know, things like that. Here, it did. It's a movie, so I'm expecting the traditional movie credits and the people to get highlighted in the movie. And is it just me, or were the directors and writers' title cards just there and then gone? But when it cut to like the Chris Pratt, Jack Black title cards, etc., those remain really long on screen with like special decorum and things like that. I don't know. Again, I might be doing a bit of a stretch here, but there was just moments here and there where it felt very corporate. And another one of those would have to be licensed songs that just felt kind of out of place and I've heard some other people also touch upon this a little bit where I'm like why is this song here I get it it's from the 80s and Mario came from the 80s specifically in 85 when the NES dropped but at the same time there's something else that could have been put here and my suspicion turned out to be correct because through a little bit of research on uh, Twitter as well as the official soundtrack that has now been made available to stream on you know Spotify and YouTube etc it turns out that there were actual original songs that were composed for some of those sequences, but then I don't know if it was at the last second or through the production of the movie, they yanked them out and put in some licensed songs that anybody can recognize that are just by the numbers basic 80s songs. That, you know, if you think of an 80s song, whatever you're thinking of right now, it's probably in the movie. And it's little corporate decisions like that that just kind of put me off uh, a little bit as I'm kind of watching this movie. And this also kind of bled a little bit into the plot and the overall characterization of some of these characters, where at times it felt like it feels like the movie is in what I like to call story time mode for the kiddies, where characters kind of talk to each other and deliver lines of plot, of character, and jokes in a very kiddie kind of way, where it really is to the kids. And I don't think that, you know, I'm not like offended by it. I'm not going to review bomb the movie. I'm not going to be like, this is bullshit. But we've seen movies that are able to deliver things for both the kids and adults and never have to talk down to kids and still amuse the kids. Again, as tired of an example as this is, Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse to me is a perfect example of a movie that is able to deliver jokes where the joke is not adult, you know, it's still like a kid joke, but it's not delivered in a kiddie way where it's like, slow down and all this. 
just to appease the kitties. Meanwhile, the parent is there like, like at least an adult like myself could be like, that would have been funny if it was delivered a little quicker. And comedy is all about that timing. And sometimes it, it just doesn't nail 100% here with the Mario Brothers uh, a movie. It's not delivered like in a cringe way. That's the one of the better things that I can say. It's not delivered in a very cringe and very ostracized kind of way. But it could have been handled a little bit better as far as, like I said, that kind of approach to it. D- delivering it in a very kitty kind of way. In a very elementary style of matter. However, what keeps all of this afloat... Whether it be, like I said, the delivery of the plot, the delivery of the, of the story, that they could have taken advantage a bit more of, you know, where we're at as far as video game adaptions. Because I know that the defense that everyone's thinking of right now is like, oh, the Mario, the original Mario game, you know, was just about a, a plumber trying to save the princess from a castle. And they're in another, they end up being in another castle from King Koopa. That's all you need to know. That's all you need. Yeah, that's all I needed back in the 80s or 90s. We're in 2023. We have so much better resources. We have access to be able to communicate with people who probably have better ideas to, you know, kind of envision a better creative process and bring more people on board, especially with how accessible we are to those creative people through the means of just our phone. And, you know, jumping on a Zoom call like, hey, what do you think about this? Oh, it would be nice if this and just get that brainstorm happening together. But no. That's where, again, I feel like the Suits and Nintendo were like, no, do it like this. No, put in this song here. And that kind of reared its ugly head from time to time as I was watching the movie. But was it, what was able to really keep the movie afloat for me, and trust me, this is where we start to get into some of the highlights of the film, is that Illumination, like I mentioned before, was definitely one of the two companies I was thinking about when adapting Super Mario for an animated film. Because they're the ones that are really starting to polish up their animation game, pun intended, because it would have been between them and Pixar, and I do feel like Illumination is creeping up on Pixar levels of technical quality with their animation. So far, as uh, there was not a single shot in this movie that I thought was badly animated. The animation is beautiful almost consistently across the board, and there were times where I thought to myself, I saw this movie in IMAX, And even in IMAX, I thought to myself, I actually kind of wish I would have seen this on IMAX 3D. I, you know, slapped the glasses on me and I'll pay the little bit of premium price because there were times where I was like, in IMAX 3D, this probably would have benefited. But at the same time, my girlfriend gets headaches and a little bit of vertigo from 3D. So I was like, all right, we'll do IMAX 2D. But at times, I thought that the 3D could have been an added perk because that's just how beautiful and technically sound the animation is. And on the sound side of things, even though I was having, like I said, my my personal pet peeves with that licensed music, whenever we didn't have licensed music and we had the original score, we I really want to give a personal shout-out to the composer Brian Tyler. And then, of course, Kanji Kondo, the original composer of the Super Mario Brothers game, for being able to blend orchestral sounds with the classic Super Mario themes, as well as also going into the back catalog of Super Mario music from other Mario games that are not the iconic ones. Obviously, you're going to expect the... You know, it's going to be in there, obviously. But lo and behold, there I am hearing the music from Super Mario Brothers 3, the castle theme from 64... 
And I'm like, yo, you, you know, they're they're really going down the catalog. And these are the moments that were then stretch. It, it, it was that Ratatouille moment when you have Ego, the harsh critic, taking a bite, and then it's zoomed. You know that meme that you most of you have probably already seen on the internet, especially with the most recent uh, Resident Evil Four remake, where he bites into the food and then it zooms out and it's him as a child to wearing his mom cooked the uh, the same meal for him. It's, I hate to fucking say it, but that's essentially what happened whenever those. Tracks were being played, not necessarily for the typical, you know, standard Super Mario theme from '85, but when the castle music from '64, and then of course when we start to incorporate other characters like Bowser with the underground dungeon theme and Donkey Kong with uh, that Donkey Kong music, I was like, oh man, and just. It, it it doesn't really it didn't really stop there. It is of course the references. It is the it, this you know going back to the catalog and really digging in. This is where I started to see the writers and directors actually bring forth their love for classic Nintendo the way I used to have. Again, I have my own personal feelings about corporate Nintendo these uh, today. But it was during those late 90s, early 2000s where I was in love with Nintendo, genuinely. And you can tell that the filmmakers, whoever they are, I can barely even remember their names, but that's because I really wish that Nintendo would push them more into the spotlight. And I could probably do my research here and and look them up, but whoever they are, you can tell that they also grew up with Mario. And... Thanks to uh, being able to get past whatever approval process they needed to from corporate Nintendo, they were able to put in some references in here that will definitely make anyone who has played those classic games like myself, Super Mario 64, 3, uh, maybe even Sunshine, not so much Sunshine, but like even Galaxy, Super Mario Brothers Galaxy or Super Mario Galaxy on the Wii, there's going to be something there for you to chew on and smile at. And we're not even just talking about visual references, musical references, like I mentioned right now. We're talking about gameplay stuff. There's some gameplay reference. I'm not gonna spoil them, but there's one towards the end that I'll, that almost brought a tear in my eye because it was a gameplay nod. It was a gameplay reference that I think some of these critics that were giving Mario Bros. movie harsh reviews probably looked at and said that was dumb. And I'm over here going, I I I had to do that. In one of the games, again, I don't want to speak on it too much, but I had to do it in one of the games, and that's why I was able to bring a smile to my uh, to my face. And sure, you're gonna have your occasional like wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of references that you know it's kind of uh, uh, appeasing to the the hardcore fans and trying to you know factor in a little bit of that uh, that. Um, that uh, fan service, but again, it's some of those much more nuanced ones, like factoring in gameplay stuff that you know only someone who has played the game, not even just witnessed at least one time, played the game, will at least get something out of that. And then we have to talk about this cast, which ended up surprising me more than I was able to really give them credit for. From the trailers, we can already tell that Jack Black was going to steal the show as Bowser. And sure enough, he does. In more ways than one. Uh, There's a moment here where it could feel a little social media influenced. 
if that makes any kind of sense. Like, they looked at this moment and said, yeah, this is going to go viral, and it's looking like it will be. And as much as I would love to fight the vir virality of this moment, it kind of got stuck in my head, admittedly, and only because of Jack Black's charm as Bowser, and it, there, there's no, there's, it's very difficult to, to deny. But to me, the biggest surprise is the man himself, Chris Pratt as Mario. He blended in. You know, all those worries that we had about him just sounding like Chris Pratt as Chris Pratt playing Mario? Not really. I actually found myself completely forgetting that it was Star-Lord behind the, the mustache. It actually felt like I was witnessing, hearing, and seeing Mario the character. Same thing goes for Charlie Day as Luigi. I found myself witnessing Mario and Luigi as brothers doing their plumbing thing and then going into the Mushroom Kingdom or Bowser's Castle and doing their thing. And there I was actually liking the characters and teetering on falling in love. And before I forget him, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad is also almost undistinguishable. In fact, I just recently watched, uh, not by choice really, because I was scrolling through TikTok while I was trying to do things for work for my contract job, there was this snippet of Keegan-Michael Key on Jimmy Fallon's show. Out of all talk show hosts, this had to be him. But he was on there, and he was pretty much describing how he came up with the voice. And he was literally going through the process of raising the pitch of his voice in a way that even he didn't think that he could do. And I, I as an audience member, couldn't think that he could actually fit the character of Toad. And there he was, making Toad his own. So he, I would put up there in the same tier as that of Chris Pratt, Charlie Day, and Jack Black of making these characters their own in a, in a very surprising manner. Just, just caught me by surprise, making me go, yeah, these guys own the characters and I'm fully on board to see what they can do with them next. And one other little attribute to that would have to be just how nuanced they were able to make some of these characters. I was also not only surprised by the voice, but also a little bit behind the backstory of Mario and Luigi themselves. You know, technically being adults, but still kind of being younger in their prime. After all, the movie opens with them still in the quote-unquote real world. And then they get thrust into the adventure of the Mushroom Kingdom. And as you can see from the trailers, they get sucked into there. It's like, what is this place? That was always going to be a touch that they were going to find themselves in the Mushroom Kingdom. But they're going to be coming from somewhere. That somewhere is actually supposedly real-life Brooklyn. While they're here, though, they're trying to do plumbing jobs, legitimate plumbing jobs, and prove that they can run their own business. And it's all very charming and also kind of relatable because you buy into their struggle, you buy into them trying to make a, a name for themselves as far as this business. But then you're going to have other people putting them down, whether it be the local bully uh, or the town bully, whatever you want to call them, which I think is a little, it is undoubtedly cliche. And it gets even a little bit more cliche as you get to the family members, where you're going to have the family members uh, from the Italian side in this movie. And, of course, from my uh, personal backstory from the Mexican side, this is where I was able to find uh, some uh, connection, some relatability, uh, some affinity to Mario and, and Luigi. As, again, very template and cliche as it is, it's still very relatable and kind of connects uh, with me on a, on a personal level where you're going to have those family members just looking at you and being like, why can't you just do this by the book? Why can't you just have, have stayed in that one thing and not do anything that is just crazy so you can follow your dreams or follow that as aspiration or that creative juice. Just stay in your lane, you know, that kind of mentality. 
quality. And so that has always been a sensitive spot for me as I wish I could detach that spot from my from my mindset. But whenever a movie does have a, a very likable hero where one of their subplots or one of their uh, internal arcs is to overcome that family member. And that that's what probably makes it hurts the most is that it's always family and that stings the most. You know, I'll gladly take the random bystander saying you ain't shit and I'll be like, you're, you're just some random nobody. who I don't care what you have to say about me. But when it's family, it's where you have all these like very high expectations for them to support you and when they don't, it just hurts all the more. So to see that still being brought here in the Super Mario Brothers movie in an unexpected way. Again, it's template for a lot of animated films. They're always going to have that character that is a family member or a loved one saying, hey, you can't do this. Uh, you you won't amount to, to this. You probably should have stayed in that um, safe job, so to speak, even though it was boring and you were dying inside. It still is able to connect with me, and that was probably one of the stronger points that at least personally, subjectively, it may not work for everybody, but subjectively it did work for me. And that's what probably what also helped in the charm for me to hear Chris Pratt's voice, Charlie Day's voice, and maybe root for the Mario Brothers. There are a couple of pacing moments where I really wish we could hear more of these characters talk. We can have them interact a little bit better, but again, this kind of ties back to what I was mentioning before about delivering the story in that kitty elementary kind of manner where much like story time at the local library things needed to be delivered quickly because these kids attention spans you know they're not going to last long and thus the movie is literally at a flat hour and a half without the credits you're looking at like an hour and 20 something so there's going to be a couple of um pacing clinches here and there where it's a little it's going a little too fast to where i was like all right you know you guys could have like paced this out a little bit more effectively but at least with what they're able to work with, Chris Pratt and Charlie Day surprised the living hell out of me. Jack Black, I knew was going to do an effective job. And then kind of sandwiched in the middle in a gray area where they weren't bad, but I just thought that they were just kind of, you know, doing the thing was Anna Taylor-Joy as Peach. She did a good job, but I still felt like I was listening to Anna Taylor-Joy as Peach. You know it, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, she was just kind of it, delivering her lines with good emotion and good performance, but it never felt like she was homing Peach, like she made Peach her own. At least not just yet. She was still likable, but it's I still could tell that it was her. And then Seth Rogen was about to surprise me as well as Chris Pratt, where... It really did not sound like your typical Seth Rogen. He sounded like a younger Donkey Kong and he felt like the character until he laughed. <laughs> of course, the, he had to throw in that goddamn Rogen laugh. <laughs> it's here and that took me out. I'm sorry. It, they could have easily cut that out because he has such a distinguishable laugh that it just kind of took me out of the movie a little bit once he delivered that laugh. And I'm like, oh, well, there's Rogan. There he is. He was doing an effective job as Donkey Kong, but once they brought in that laugh, I think it kind of broke a little bit of that immersion. And so many other people kind of fall in line there in that gray area where they do an effective job, but they just don't. They didn't reach out or connect with me the way that Chris Pratt, Charlie Day, and Jack Black, those were the effective trio that, to me, just surprised the living hell out of me as far as voice performance, and I cannot praise them enough because I actually bought them into those characters enough for me to make me want to wish those characters come back. And seeing how Nintendo is definitely trying to put forth the mar the money on the marketing and the star power to make this undoubtedly 
a franchise, there are end credit scenes. There's actually a mid-credit scene and an end credit scene. Not going to spoil. First one, I do appreciate the clever choice in where go, which one goes where because I know that sometimes I've given uh, Marvel even some flack for this where the first mid-credit scene is actually integral to the plot or integral to the overall cinematic universe and then the second one is just kind of like a joke. This time, they swapped it. The second one is a goof. It's a gaffe. You know, it's just for people who are, you know, tickled you know funny by this but it's the second one that definitely kind of hints at the direction well not so much the direction but just an inclusion in what is very likely going to be the sequel but it's not the greatest like jaw-dropping reveal of like what's coming forward you know what i'm saying so don't expect anything huge in fact the movie even kind of hints at this inclusion uh, a little earlier on in the movie so i'm actually pretty surprised that they were able to subtly kind of put it in the background and then finally be like yeah we're kind of going there with the second one so i somewhat appreciate that and again the way that they were able to just balance it out all these references and and things together sure they may not deliver the same kind of emotional weight as all uh, other animated films have managed to do especially recently with like i mentioned already time and again into the Spider-Verse, but then some other recent entries like Puss in Boots, the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio movie, and then almost, I want to say, 66% of Pixar. They've been kind of waning a little recently, but 2000 to 2010 Pixar has yet to be topped. You know, all right, that is peak animations, emotional storytelling. And it doesn't reach quite those highs, but... I honestly feel like this is a really inoffensive movie. One that is most specially not deserving of a, what was it, 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. That it, Now walking out of it, I think the consensus, consensus is pretty clear. If you haven't played the games, you might feel kind of indifferent or downright spiteful towards this movie. But I feel like some of those critics may have not watched the Alvin and the Chickmunks movies like I have. But if you have picked up the NES controller at least once or popped in a quarter at the arcade... At least once in your life, you're going to smile at least consistently throughout this movie. I give the Super Mario Brothers movie a 7 to 8 out of 10, kind of like a 7.5. And I highly recommend it for all audiences. And definitely the worthwhile movie to check out throughout Easter. But even beyond that, definitely want to take the whole family too, especially if you're a gamer like myself. Thank you guys for listening or watching over on YouTube. If you guys have seen the movie, let me know in the comments what you guys thought of it. And until next time, guys, stay humble. I'll see you later. There's a huge universe out there. With a lot of galaxies. They're all counting on us. No pressure.